and welcome to The Pit Stop, your fortnightly midweek rest area to refuel your drive. I'm Karen Cummins. I'm an audiobook narrator and chief cartographer for narratorsroadmap.com, and I'm your host for Pit Stop. My friend Flosnick is not with me today. I'm actually driving solo, but hopefully we'll still have a good time. Every other Wednesday, audiobook narrators who do more than narrate pull into the pit stop, and they're sure to inspire you to follow your interests and use all of your talents and gifts. This conversation will be recorded, so you'll be able to re-listen or catch parts you missed. Feel free to comment in the chat, raise your hand if you want to be part of the conversation. And I hope you want to be part of the conversation because I'm actually doing a picnic today. There's so many people traveling and at other events and wasn't sure who would be available. So I thought we could just have a chat amongst ourselves of people who have news to share or if you want ideas about how to do things or the sky's the limit. It was a picnic and you bring the topic and I'm glad to welcome you all here today. Who would like to go first? <laughs> uh, you can raise your hand. You can type something in the chat. I didn't attend VO Atlanta, but I was a sponsor and I took stuff down there the other day and and then I had to go pick up the leftovers. There were so many people at the convention. I saw they had over a thousand people and I would love to hear anybody's experience if you were there. Also, APAC happened this week. The Audio Publishers Conference happened uh, yesterday, I guess. I'm losing track of my days. And if you were there and want to talk about that, I'd love to hear about your experiences. There's a conference happening right now, the Flock Conference, where I've been this morning, and I'll be returning there after Pit Stop concludes. And so uh, some of you may be attending that as well. So many things going on this week, and um, I'm just so happy to see all you here with me this afternoon. So does your, anybody have a topic you'd like to raise? Or I I'm, I'm, would love to hear from you. This is an open chat. I don't, I don't see any raised hands, and I don't see anything in, in the chat. So, uh, I mean, I can babble, but it'd be so much more interesting to hear from all of you. So what's been going on in your world? Amy has something to say. I would love to hear what that is. I've sent you the mic, Amy. I don't know that. Oh, okay. I haven't done this in a long time. So I'm forgetting. Can you hear me? I can me? hear you great. Oh, terrific. Okay. Um, I also, I did not go to the events this week. So uh, apologies for not continuing on that uh, topic. And No, uh, that's, I mean, I'm just throwing starters out there. We'll talk about whatever you want. <laughs> um, actually, I was excited for this open picnic because um I followed in some of your footsteps on trying to create my own path and excellent. I have gotten stuck. Okay. <laughs> um, one is, so I've been trying to get the rights to a book that was written in the thirties and I've gone through kind of a crazy goose chase. And the last one that I went through, they, they told me the rights holder was actually UNICEF. And they hold the rights to the book. Really? Yes. <laughs> That's not an answer you'd expect. <laughs> oh, no. That was like, I, w I thought, what? UNICEF? 
So um, I wrote to their like form. They had one of those email forms. Um, yeah. So I did that and yeah. I didn't hear anything back. And so part of me is like, okay, I need to look for an email address. I got distracted and I've been doing other things now, but have you ever like tried to get rights through something by going through an email form or just what do you do when you get stuck? Do you go to the estate or something? Cause so the, the author is, has died and, uh, and even her family, her child, her kid died in the early 2000s. So there's an estate. And so I'm trying to think if I should write the estate or try again with UNICEF now, or I don't know. What do you do when yeah, you get stuck? Well, what a conundrum. And, um, and a lot of these things do take time. So don't feel, it, it almost sounded like you were like, well, life got in the way and I did this and the other. That's what happens. Life gets in the way. And these things do take time. And so don't feel bad on that score. It, it will just make you that much happier when you're actually able to do it. <laughs> but, Hopefully. But the email form, you know, and I know you, when you entered it, you probably thought, I'm not going to have any success with this. And I would doubt that you could. I would go through the estate um, because, and, and I have, have you seen my article when the author is six feet under? Um, I have a long time ago. I was going to review when I got back to this, um, but yeah, I will review it. Because that that goes into how I would look for people in the estate. But within UNICEF, if UNICEF actually has the rights, there's somebody in charge of publications or... You know, I would look at their site, but I would also search LinkedIn for somebody at UNICEF. Oh, I never thought about that. Okay. Because a forum probably is not going to get you very far, but an actual person would have Boy. a greater chance. <laughs> of course, they may, they still may not answer you or they may go, what? <laughs> you want yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't have another answer off the no, top of my head that helps and i i will uh look for it through linkedin or check out their estate and maybe try it that way but i was getting i was like ah i need to review revisit this and how do i go about that and so i was excited for this little open picnic so thank oh, you oh well i'm excited too and and, <laughs> and that's a, such a great question and certainly one that i have great interest in personally because i love researching this kind of stuff yeah it, and personally, I would like to talk to the people with, with associated with the state, the estate, because they would have the most vested interest, I think, in right. having this work in audio. That's Where, what I would think. UNICEF, I don't know. UNICEF could, if they were using it for their fundraising ability somehow, that that would interest them too, because it would be passive income as far as they're concerned if you license the rights and then because you would probably pay them in advance and then once the advance is paid at some point you know once it's earned out at some point you would be paying them royalties mm -hmm. so i i would try those two routes and and um you know going to the estate i i always start with the obituary so if you know, <clears throat> excuse me, if you know that the author's child has passed away, I would look at the child's obituary 
and see who their survivors are. Okay. Because somewhere along the line, you're going to get to the end of the chain. I mean, it's, it's almost like genealogy, you know, it is genealogy. We're diagramming people's family trees to figure out who owns the rights to something. Right. Yeah. Okay. Those are, those give me some ideas and on next steps where to go. So thank you. Well, thanks for coming with such a great question. And if you want to follow up after you look there and just keep me posted by email, cause I'd love to know how this turns out. And if I can think of some other approach you might take, I'd pass it on. Okay. Thank you so much. Well, good luck with that. That sounds like a really exciting project. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see. Thank you. <laughs> well, thanks so much. Sure. And I see Sarah has her hand raised. So I'm going to pass the mic to you, Sarah, except I tapped the wrong thing there. There you go. Hi, Hello, Kim. Sarah. Hi. Hi. It's, it's nice Welcome to, to the uh, picnic. <laughs> thank you. The food here is divine. Is it? I'm glad you like it because I'm not really much of a cook, you know. I, I, pick, <laughs> I would pick up for the picnic. <laughs> um, please excuse me because I'm quite hoarse from the past few days. I, I can uh, imagine. Where have you been? APAC. Ah. Yes. I came home yesterday in time to drive my child back to school. And then there was a little bit of a whirlwind yesterday. So I was just like, uh. anyway. Was it your point. first time or have you been there it before? Was, it was my first time in person. Yeah. Mm. Oh, you so did the, the remote one last year? Yeah, and the year before. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I just I just had a, a question about, and this is just me showing my, my I don't understand um, copyright laws and stuff. But if the work was from 19... 19- Third, is it after that the author has pa- is passed that the that if something goes into the public domain, or is it? Because I'm well, wondering if this book was from 1930, why it's not in the public domain. Well, that's a great question, and this goes back to Amy's book. I'm assuming Amy, you've looked at uh, is has it fallen into the public domain? So that's a great question, Sarah. It, it's not on the author's death at for books published in 1930 books now it's author's death plus 70 years but copyright law has changed a lot over time but in 1930 when that book was published it was they they had to they had copyright for 28 years and they had to renew the copyright by the end of the 28th year to extend the copyright so that book had to have the copyright renewed by the end of 1958 in order to stay copyrighted or else it'd be public domain. And then Amy could just record it today. And there's places to research to see if it had been renewed. And if they did renew it, then the copyright is extended for 95 years and it's through the entire year. It doesn't change until January 1st. So if the book was published in 1930 and they renewed their copyright at the end of 2025 is that right 1930 plus 95 would be 2025 so january 1st 2026 that book would be in the public domain if the copyright had been renewed so the renewal goes back to the to the 
publication date and not from where they renewed it from? Right. Okay. Yes. And and this is for the period of books from 1928 through 1963. Mm. All have this requirement. And there's there's additional things too because if they say they published this book in 1930, but they didn't put the word copyright or the copyright symbol, the C inside the circle. If they just published this book in 1930 and didn't have either of those things, which is called the copyright notice, it was in the public domain at the end of 1958. Because it, it would have been at the end of 28 years, it would have fallen in public domain if they didn't do it precisely with the copyright notice. Does that make sense? Yeah, you're amazing. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, and I was just talking about public domain books this morning, but it it, it all depends on what's the publication date and did they renew it? Did, did they publish it with the notice with either the word or the symbol or both? And if it had both of those things, did they renew it by the end of the 28th year to extend their copyright? So if, if they published it without either of those things, it extend uh, copyright expired at the end of 28 years and they couldn't renew it. If they published it with both those things and didn't renew it, the copyright still expired at the end of 28 years. If they published it with both those things and did renew it, copyright runs through 95 years, but you actually add one to know which January 1st it's actually public domain. So for instance, books, all the books published in 1927 in the US this year, January 1st became public domain. and this tells us books published in 1928 will become public domain, all of them. It doesn't matter if they were renewed or not. You don't have to do any research. They will be public domain on January 1st next year. So January 1st, 2023. No, that's this year. I've lost time. 2024. <laughs> January 1st, 2024. All the books from 1928 will be public domain. So an enterprising narrator might look at that and go, hmm and find a book published in 1928 that they really like. And you've got eight months and three days or two days. See, I told you I'm losing track of time before January 1st that you could record it, get it edited, and then you're ready to publish it the second it goes into public domain on January 1st. It's brilliant. I, I bow, bow down. <laughs> and, and I'll just say, where where might one find a list of good books from 1928? Goodreads has a list of most popular books by the year. And this is really good because you can see what books people today still find interesting from that time period. So, you know, like, I forget what was uh, the number one book this year. It might have been Mrs. Dalway from Virginia Woolf. I can't remember, and I don't have it on my screen, but whatever the books are that people still find good from that time period will be listed. And so you can just scroll down that list from 1928 on Goodreads and go, huh. So like this year, all of the Sherlock Holmes books finally hit the public domain. Most of them had been, but there were a few that hadn't. The Hardy Boys, I think it's the first three books this year became public domain. So you might see some goodies like that next year that 
oh, January 1st, this is going to be public domain. And then you could just go ahead and record it now and be ready to go. Obviously, I get wound up on this and get excited. And this is <laughs> glad y'all are wanting to talk about these kinds of things. I really appreciate, appreciate that. that. That's, that's, I mean, I, I just, I was joking with my husband because he always, I just will ask a random question and he'll be like, well, Sarah, and, and answer it. And I'll, <laughs> and I was telling him about this and I was like, like, why sloths don't leave trees? And he was like, well, I actually know that. And I was like, come on. So I think you're, you're, you know, you're going on the list of people that I just, say, you know, something too. And you're like, well, actually, <laughs> <laughs> well, when I worked a, a thrival job with everybody's favorite government agency, I was in IT and I was kind of the expert there. I'd been at it a while and other people would come to me with their questions, trying to get help, uh, you know, other systems administrators. And I'd ask them what they'd done and we'd try to figure out from there. But they'd come to me <laughs> and I told them then, and I still like to tell people, well, if I don't know the answer, I'll be more than happy to make up something. <laughs> and your husband may be doing that too. So who knows? Don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> but what I just said about public domain, I'm not making up. And I try not to make up stuff because then you lose all credibility. People don't really trust you anymore. So uh, I, I would say I don't make up stuff now. Maybe I extrapolate and come up with the ideal solution kind of thing. Maybe that goes across better. I think you came across fine, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> agreed. And it, it actually was published in 1937, and then it had another edition in 2001. Okay, well, now this is another story. Glad you brought that up. <laughs> that 2001 edition does not carry the copyright from the 1937 edition. So it's possible, and without knowing the name, I don't know, We'd have to do a little research, but it's possible that that 1937 edition didn't have their copyright renewed and is, in fact, in the public domain. And the 2001 edition, the copyrighted material in it is only what's new for that edition. I think that's true about what's new is only because I think it was only the introduction that was new. Well... So we might need to do a little more research because if that 1937 edition did not have its copyright renewed, you can record it today. Oh. And you don't oh. need UNICEF involved. You don't need the estate involved. And they won't get a dime of your audiobook. Even if it was 1937? If, 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 if they did not renew their copyright. Hmm. And one way you might check is so in, the 2001 edition, if you look on the copyright page, it will usually say copyright 1937, copyright renewed 19, oh, so 37, so 28, so it would be 1965. And if it doesn't say that, it probably wasn't. So it would say, it would say like 
copyright 1937, copyright renewed 1965, new material copyright 2001. Oh, okay. But that 2001 copyright does not extend to the underlying work. It had to, that 1937 edition had to be renewed in order for the copyright to still be valid. Hmm. You've really got me curious now because I'm like, <laughs> what is this book? <laughs> uh, uh, and, I, I and think you're going to have to send me an email with the name because I just got to know now. I will. I would love I it if, you, if we found out that, like, no, you could just go right ahead today. I will actually do that. <laughs> because that that is such a boon because you can do whatever you want to the the edition that's in the public domain <sighs> and if we could find out that the 37 edition is you you're good to go okay well it's complicated so we'll we'll see <laughs> okay it's getting more so but more and more intriguing with everything you say about it <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah i absolutely want to know what happens i don't need to know the name of the book but i want to know what happens <laughs> yeah we're all- we were all like, and then what happened? <laughs> I was better than a soap opera. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, this is, a, this is a compelling mystery you've got going now. Uh, yeah, it'll be a hard book, too. I'll, I'll, I'll email it to you. Well, I can't wait. And, and I want you to know you can trust me. I'm not going to try to steal the book out from under you. I'm just curious and want to help you get further along in your quest. But I would counsel... Don't tell people in general because they will still steal it out from you if it's a good idea and they think they can make money. And just as an aside, there's, you know, there's so many choices in audiobook distributors and that's a whole other conversation. But a lot of people like to go with Spoken Realms and Spoken Realms has a a project tracker where you enter your project and everybody can see what your project is. And so I know of instances where there's like there was no interest in a book and it seemed like somebody saw that or they got wind of it somehow. But that seems to me the likely place. And then they jumped and did it before the original person could get it published. So I would just say if anybody was going to use Spoken Realms or any other site like that where you have to enter your project, I wouldn't enter it until I'm ready to publish it. I wouldn't enter it at the moment that I think I'm going to do it. I would go ahead and do it, record it, get it edited, be ready to release it, and then I'd enter it and be ready to go. Because you just don't want other people to scoop you and take advantage of your ideas. And, you know, because a lot of times whoever gets there first gets the most money. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good advice. Well, and I see W. Warner Wrights has hand raised, so I'm going to pass the mic to you. And Tamara, you now can uh, talk at will. Hello. I just had one quick question about um, what you were just talking about. Um, okay. Just because that this is this particular topic is always one that I am confused on. Um, and you mentioned, as for an example, uh, one book uh, by the Virginia Woolf. And when you were, as I was listening, you were saying that if the original 
had not had its copyright extended, um, that you could record uh, or publish the audiobook for the original. But what if it if if an updated version has already been done, and there's an audiobook for it already published? That's a great question. The great wonder one of the many blessings and joys of a public domain book is anybody can record it. And it doesn't matter if there's already an edition. So like, for instance, say your favorite book is The Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. And I looked on Audible. There are over 90 editions of The Wizard of Oz. Now, some of them are just that single story. Some of them have that story combined with other Oz stories, or maybe even in another book entirely. People have done it as a podcast. And because it's public domain, that means its copyright has expired and it belongs to all of us. So anyone can do anything they want to with it. And if it was a book I wanted to do and somebody had already done it, I would still want to do it because my interpretation is going to be different from anybody's and I'm still creating art and putting something out to the world. I'm still building my portfolio. I'm gaining experience with everything I do. So I wouldn't let that stop me if it was something I really wanted to do. But I mean, you got to be clear that it is in public domain. So like the Virginia, Virginia Woolf book that I mentioned today became public domain on January 1st. And I'm sure there are probably already five or 10 of them now because people were waiting for it to be public domain so they could publish their own copy. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And I guess the when you mentioned that book, I went to look at that book and I saw that there was already an audiobook release for it and there was also a new edition put out in publication of the of a paperback on on Amazon on um in twenty twenty one. So that's what gave me the question, like, well, you know, what what ha what do you do then? So since you're saying if it's in public domain, um you wouldn't let that deter you if there were other people that already put out their version of the audiobook. That's right. I would, if it was something I really wanted to do, I'd do it. Okay. Okay. Now, if I was just kind of lukewarm about it and there are already a bunch of other editions, I'd probably, this is me, I would look for another one where I could be the only or one of a few. Mm -hmm. More of a standout. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there's so many that are public domain that were published between 1928 and 1963 because they didn't renew their copyright. I saw there are studies that say about 74%, and this is, we're talking millions and millions of books mm -hmm. that are public domain, but you have to do the research to find that out. Okay. Do you have a place, do you have a, a site that we could go to? If we, you know, for the tools and for the resources to to try to, as we are moving through this type of progress and, and doing the research, we can get information that maybe we don't have on our own. That is, you know, Tamara, people are going to think you're an audience show for me because <laughs> that's a perfect question. Why, yes, yes, I do. All right. <laughs> <laughs> if you, the easiest thing I can tell you is go to bit.ly B-I-T dot L-Y slash Cummins C-O-M-M-I-N-S and it's got to be a capital C P-D-H-Q 
And those four letters all have to be caps as well. Could so you repeat that? I can. Bitly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Cummins P-D-H-Q. And Cummins is C-O-M-M-I-N-S P-D-H-Q, like public domain headquarters. And the C and the P, the D, the H, the Q all have to be caps. And that'll take you to a blog post on my site, karencummins.com, called, funnily enough, Public Domain Narration Headquarters. And so I link to all my resources there. That's for, for public domain books, that's really my spoke of everything I've got because there's some of it's on my site, karencummins.com, and some of it is available to members of my site, narratorsroadmap.com. But there's a, there's a lot of info on karencummins.com that's free, but it's all linked in that one article. Okay, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I well, I appreciate you coming and having such great questions. Yeah, I wanted to, I really, you know, listening to that, and I've, I've been in discussions before that I always left um, still feeling a little bit confused on the, the matter of, you know, when it's public domain and how long you have, and, and you cleared up a lot of information for me, so I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and I'm going well, to be making so my card. <laughs> thank you so much. Show. Thank you. I, I just realized I could... I, I actually have the power here. I could drop a link to this in the chat, couldn't I? Why, yes, yes, I could. Thank you again. Let me just thank you so much. I appreciate it. So I just put the link to what I was just talking about that takes you to my um my public domain narration headquarters where, where all my resources are linked. And so one of them is a uh, article of links to help you find rights holders to the books. And that one has the ones that have the databases where you look up whether the copyright's been renewed or not. And then there's a lot of other associated stuff here that will be useful as you're looking into public domain books and actually recording, producing, and publishing one. Oh, so let's see. I found out, I was just reading the chat, that Steve found out that ACX is now refusing new versions when there are too many. Well, that is really interesting, Steve. You want to, it would, I would love it if you want to come to the microphone and talk, <clears throat> excuse me, talk about it more. Can I convince you to do that? I don't see you raising your hand, Steve, but I'd love to talk to you about that because, um, oh yeah, created the ebook. Oh, wow. Hmm. That is really interesting. But you can, you don't have to go through ACX. You can't, you've got the book. You could publish it through somebody else. Or you could combine that story with other Edgar Allan Poe stories or other horror stories that then becomes something new. You know, Curie says The Raven is not a full-length novel, but maybe you could, it seems to me you could combine both of those things. 
but that that does stink. And I wonder if ACX, uh, you know, if a different person would tell you a different story because we often see that happening. So I am passing the mic to you. There you are. You just have to unmute yourself. Hi, Karen. Thanks for bringing hey. me up. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. I'm, I'm here yeah, in, it's uh, good Battery to hear Park. from you. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so I think I put most of my story in the chat there. I, I just, uh, following your wonderful roadmap, thank you, uh, the information about, you know, that you had written uh, in your article about mm. public domain books. And uh, so I, I followed that and I created my ebook and uh, claimed it, you know, on my author profile on ACX, or went, I, I tried to claim it. And that's when they said, nope, sorry, too many of them already exist. Because my original thinking was I was going to do several of Poe's stories separately and then combine them into mm -hmm. an anthology. Yeah. Um, and, and I might still just, just do that and skip the individual part, but I, I got busy with other books, and so I, I haven't been able to circle back to that. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in listening to the rest of this conversation, and thank you for reminding me we don't just have to go through ACX. <laughs> so thank you. Well, did I'm curious, was this an automated message that you got when you tried to claim it, or did you have an actual interaction with somebody there? Uh, yeah, no, it was an email. So when, when you go to, to claim it and, and it looks like it's in processing, um, then you have to wait and they email you and say, you know, either, okay, yeah, it's, it's accepted or not. And in this case, it wasn't. And they gave me that reason why. So that's what happened. That, see, I've never heard of that. I, I mean, I don't doubt you. And it wouldn't surprise me if they've changed their rules about this. But they, they it, did it, say that. I, you know, I'm saying I'm going to have to change what I say because. Yeah, they said that the, it this is was true. A recent, well, uh, what I say is still true. You can still record it. Right. You just right. need a different distributor. Right. Yeah. And that's probably what I'll do. Or, or maybe try the anthology route. We'll see. But um, but no, it, 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 it did say in the email that this was something recent, that they mm. were. Uh, uh, it was it was a new policy because they were getting too many people doing the same um, very popular books. So mm -hmm. they wanted to cut down on that. So there you go. Yeah, you could you could do an anthology, and I wonder if there's not a biography of him in the public domain. Like if you did a biography and then his most famous story kind of thing in one book. I mean, there's different ways to go. How how long is that the the story of that? Do you remember? I grow. Oh, um, the Raven. Uh, I think I had it at like 15 pages. It's very short, but again, okay. other people had had their versions out. So I thought, well, if, if they could do theirs, maybe I could do mine. But they had done theirs. I think the most recent one I saw was a couple of years before. So this this must be a, a recent update. Yeah, and it could be. I mean, because it's a, more of a short story and or a, a novella. It's I'm not sure how long it is, but it uh, it's not that sweet spot of like six to eight hours that they would rather sell. That's really interesting, though. Well, my journey into public domain shall continue, and <laughs> I will continue to listen to all the wonderful things that that you, uh, the, the the queen of public domain have to say about it so thank you <laughs> well thanks for stopping by and sharing that tidbit because that's 
interesting an interesting turn of events and not one that we really like very much is it say lovey I, I see a little conversation about the apac premixer in the chat and about how loud it was uh <laughs> they, they are always very loud and then people are hoarse the next day and they can't actually work but it's one day a year and and I know everybody has a good time when they when they go to those. So who else would like to have uh join in the conversation? We it's it's a picnic, so bring your own topic, whatever you want to talk about. If you've got news, if you've got like this where you're stuck with something or you have ideas about something or you just want to get something off your chest, we're here for it all. And I feel like I've been talking all morning, so I'm I'm really eager to hear other people talk. I don't see you clamoring to rush forward, raising your hands, and uh, <laughs> I feel like I I can't see you. I can't grab you. If I could, I'd just grab your your uh, hand, say, "Come to the mic with me." And and uh, I hope. Uh, I see Sarah says what an inappropriate comment too. Obviously, this is something else going on. Hopefully, not what I said. Uh, if it is, I'll apologize. <laughs> uh, oh, I see Nathan has got his hand raised, so I will send you the microphone. And Steve, if you'll mute because there's music oh, in yes, the background. Too. Thank you. And I was enjoying hearing, like you know, vicariously living the New York through Steve right now. <laughs> Where are you? You're, you and I guess you didn't go to New York. No, I'm in Montreal, so I'm not that far away. But like, I think it's about six hours away for me, something like that. But but yet you didn't go. Yeah, it's still kind of expensive, you know. Like, there's the border crossing and the fact that your currency is double mine and all those things. <laughs> well, I get that, and and I didn't go. I'm in Atlanta, and I didn't go, and because. Like you say, it's expensive, and I'm even used to the currency. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, the, you know, they charge more. Are. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everything everything costs more in New York than it does in Atlanta. So. Yeah, so, like, if a hotel room is, like, 200 American, for me, that's, like, 400 bucks, you know? So, like, that's a, that's a big one for me. So, I've got I got a plan for that kind of thing if I want to go. I'm, I'm trying next year. I want to go well, next year. Be next fun. year, I think they're planning for it to be virtual again. Yeah. So, so you just have to sign up for the, the thing and then it's all over. They had a platform called Reattendance and you would, it, it was kind of like little Zoom breakout rooms, but, uh, it's, you know, it's all online. And so I think that's the latest plan. Oh, yeah. So like it wouldn't be in person at all or like just entirely virtual? It, entirely. Oh, okay. Yeah. Last year, the last couple of years, it was entirely virtual. And then they made the announcement that they would alternate years. So this year was in person and then next year would be virtual again, which thrills me no end because well, virtual all of sure. all of the joy and none of the stress and expense. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was going to actually ask, um, I'm going to be putting together some new samples. And I was wondering if anybody had any input on like where they go to get them, like what kind of samples are the best in terms of like me personally, I'm a, I like to do sci-fi and fantasy and um, like thrillers. That's kind of what I go after. Um, so that's what I'd be looking for. But I was wondering if like 
any of you guys who have, you know, a ton of books under your belt and like work with publishers regularly, like if you have any tips on like what things publishers would be looking for if I'm to submit a sample? Well, I do know they're looking for things that are shorter now. And uh, I, I actually got to work with Hillary Huber on my demos and I know she did a session at VO Atlanta and they are selling the replay of VO Atlanta if anybody missed it, but she did a session on creating a killer demo. And if anybody knows about a killer demo, it's Queen Hillary. And so I haven't seen the replay yet, but I'm excited to see what she would have to say. But when she, I mean, she actually edited my scripts. I found pieces that I wanted to work on and she cut the script so that they were very short and targeted and they displayed something. Like if you have an accent and it, it needs to be like right up front, you need to have male-female dialogue, you need to have narrative part because they need to know how you'll tell the rest of the story other than just dialogue. And she cut things out of the script that I really like, but to keep it short, I think they're all like a minute or something that she said, you just got to have it cut because it, we're not here to tell them the whole story. We're here to get them interested in hearing the whole story. So that was something that I really liked hearing from her. Um, so almost like I, a trailer edit? Like like a trailer edit of the book almost kind of thing? Like is that what you're talking about? Well, of the scene. Yeah. I mean, because you you know, you'd pick out a scene that displays something that you want to show off, whether it's uh you, you definitely need a male female dialogue, you definitely need narrative, first person, third person, um, you know, and then to have these things labeled as to what they are. And I know Pat Fraley had posted something uh, about samples, and I might be able to find it if I'm, I'm, I see Sarah's got her. I've got several people with hands raised, so I'm going to send you all the mic, and maybe you want to talk about this topic, or maybe cool, not. Yeah, like but while people talk, I'm going to look for that bringing. reference. I just oh. so I've also given the mic to Rich and Sarah and and Chris. I just wanted to tell you, you didn't say anything inappropriate. I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> at, at APAC, I said something inappropriate to somebody because I was, you know, I was a quarter of a champagne in and just escaped the loud room of terror. And, and now I think she's offering me a job. So, you know, you just have to say <laughs> embarrassing <laughs> things to people. And, you know. Well, apparently she didn't think it was inappropriate. Oh, so. She laughed. She laughed real hard and wanted to make a doo-wop song about it. So that yeah. sounds really good. That sounds well, okay. Yeah, but anyway, I just wanted to assure you that you you didn't do anything. Well, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I will sleep better tonight with that knowledge. Wonderful. Rich or Chris, one of you, go ahead. Thank That's you. what we were working on. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. All right. All right. Um, so I'm, I'm at the airport, so ho hopefully uh, you don't have any trouble hearing me. <laughs> no, you sound great. All right. Good. Um, yeah. So just trying to, to help um, answer or, or give some clarification uh, to Nathan's question about um, samples. Um, you know, so there's different 
um, there's different opinions uh, and, and it's going to vary based on different producers that you talk to um, or your choices for your samples may differ based on the platform, uh, you know, versus um, just uploading samples to your, to your personal website. Uh, because if you're uploading samples to a platform that may only accept two samples of a, uh, say, um, one minute length or two minute length, you know, then you're, then you're limited. You're limited to the, the genres that, that you can represent. And in that case, you want to pick, you want to pick the genre that you most want to work in. Um, and like Karen mentioned, uh, select a sample that, uh, is going to represent what you can do in that genre. Um, so front load it, front load it with, if you like sci-fi front load it with, uh, something, uh, very specific, maybe an action scene, um, or just, uh, something that really represents that genre with dialogue. And if you can mix it up with male, female dialogue, that's great. If there's, uh, alien voices or alien names, uh, try to throw that in there. Um, uh, some some producers actually like to listen to longer demos. Um, some some want to hear if if you specialize in accents or a certain accent, they they may want to hear that you can sustain an accent for several minutes um, rather rather than just one sentence. Um, so th those are some things to think about. Um, uh, you know, I I I don't I don't know if anyone else on this call um, was in the uh, uh, Johnny Heller's uh, Splendiferous workshop. Um, Sean Pratt was there, and Hillary Huber was there, and uh, every, everyone was there, and and they gave their they each gave their opinions. Uh, about this very topic, um, you know, some some like to see not more than say six samples on your website, um, and others say no, do do more. Uh, if if you do so many different genres, um, and you want to give give uh, potential listeners or producers an opportunity to. Uh, to, to listen to all of it, leave that up to them as to what they want to listen to. Um, so uh, just to kind of shorten this a little bit, uh, with regards to length, it's not going to hurt you if you have a sample that's three minutes or four minutes. If a producer only wants to listen to the first 15 seconds or 30 seconds or one minute, then they can stop at that point. Uh, but you have more to give them if they want to continue to listen. So it's not going to hurt in this case, unless um, the, the platform limits you to uh, a certain amount of time. So just just keep that in mind. Um, I mean, I'm I'm saying all this now, and uh, I've got to go back and and revise uh, my samples. I'm I'm constantly trying to revise samples on my website uh, or on different platforms, but it it can be a time consuming uh, effort. Um, especially if you're listed on multiple uh, platforms or publishers' sites and you want to keep things fresh. Uh, and if, if you're working consistently, it can get time-consuming con time to go back and try to change those things. But um, it's a, it's a never-ending 
cycle of improvement. So I, I hope that answers uh, your question somewhat, Nathan. And you made some really yeah, great definitely. points. Go ahead. Oh, I was just, just going to say it definitely helps. And, and a lot of people are uh, making other comments in the chat about this, about some of the things they've been hearing in recent days. And uh, to go along with what you were saying, Chris, I've just found the thing that Pat Fraley had written on Facebook, uh, actually in 2019, but he was saying that producers don't want, they no longer want the demo that had multiple samples in it. So I think yes. they're all consistently saying we need a targeted demo of a particular thing and label it so that it's, they know what you're trying to showcase, like, yes. um, you know, female French accent kind of thing. But, yep. um, you know, don't have this, you know, back in the day, we used to have samples that'd be, you know, five minutes and it would have two or three different excerpts in it. And we don't want to do that anymore. Because they don't have time, they don't have you know time to wade through it to to hear stuff. Exactly, um, exactly. I, I agree with with everything you just said. Um, and I was just going to add, um, like like you mentioned, uh, Karen, uh, how Hillary took your sample and um, and eliminated parts that maybe made the sample drag on. Um, you know, if you're if you're creating your your own samples. And you want to pull from uh, a book you've already uh, had published um, or material you've already recorded. That's that's great. Like if you already have in mind uh, a scene that you recorded previously, and you said, "Man, I I really want to have that as a sample." Um, that's good. You can go back through and you can re-record that if you want. Um, like like maybe it was a book that you enjoyed, but, um, you, you, you have progressed since then. Um, and you know, you can do it better. Don't be afraid to go back and re-record it. And, um, you can always also record new material for yourself. You can even make up a script for yourself. If, if you think you, you can create some, uh, really flashy scene with dialogue and action, um, you can write it yourself. There, there's nothing that says you have to pick from uh, some already published material or, or written written material. So you can get creative in that way. Oh, that's, those are great points. I'm, thank you for sharing all that. In fact, as you said that, I was thinking that it's, it's good as you're recording a book when you do a, an especially satisfying scene or something that showcases that you'd like to do more of this kind of work make a note or save a sample right then so you don't have to go hunting for these things and uh i think ann flosnick who's who's not with us this afternoon normally she is but um she'll collect samples like every time she goes along in a book there's be something that's good or and she'll just keep taking little excerpts from books as she goes so then she's always ready and i love this because like if a producer wants to hear her french accent she's got something recent she can just say oh here here you go and it's important to know that more authors are being involved in the decision and so they are 
again, needing more concise, targeted samples that illustrate a particular thing or demonstrate. It, it's audio. It can't illustrate. <laughs> but to demonstrate a particular skill and then to have it named that way so people know what it is they're going to be listening for. So, so these are wonderful points. I'm, I'm so glad you shared all that. I'm just curious. You think the best thing to do then possibly would be like on our website, for example, you could have like accent category and then you could have like, you know, all these different categories. So a casting director can just go click immediately be brought there, find the accent they're looking for. Like, and then that sample has a bit of narration, but also mostly that accent present. And then like, you could do the same thing for male, female dialogue, like all those kinds of different stuff. Like, like that is probably the most helpful for them now at this point. I'm, I'm going to jump in and say, yes, Nathan, based on what I've heard this past weekend, because your site is your control. Your site can offer a very um, easy categorical reference for someone that wants to know more about what you can do. But I'm going to echo Chris on a lot of things. And I also want to reinforce what we learned uh, in Atlanta from both Hillary and from Scott Brick and, and Sean Pratt is that and I think Kaylee said this earlier, it blows, her, it blows her mind because we can edit the text to make it say what we need it to say to reinforce those two character dialogues or that that particular phrase of thought. You can clean that stuff out. And when you do that, that gives you an opportunity to put maybe a few more options on your website for the samples that you'd like to offer, but they're more concise and more appropriate. Now, I'm going to go one step further because Audrey said, don't forget that there are people like authors. There are people like publishers who like what they hear and they want to go a bit deeper. So don't shortchange yourself by putting everything on your site at a small snippet. Uh, give a couple of longer examples so they can explore you just a little bit more. Again, all things I learned this past weekend and, and you know, just eye openers that, that I'm hearing reinforced with this conversation. And and you're right, it was Kaylee Kirby who added that in the chat about Hillary's comment of editing the copy, because it, as Kaylee noted, it's a game changer, and we can make it say what we need it to say. So I appreciate both of y'all bringing that to the picnic. See, we all get to benefit when people go out and about to these conferences. Yeah, thank you a lot, by the way, for those of you who were at the conference and have shared that info, because that's really benefit for us and I'm super appreciative. Yeah, and if you can get the replay, I'm sure, like I say, that Hillary's presentation, well, and it's the replay of all of you, Atlanta. There's a, so much there that uh, would be beneficial, but that would go further in depth into it as and some of the others would as well. We're coming up on three o'clock, and so I wonder if anybody else has any comments or topics they want to bring up or are we all just munching on our fried chicken and enjoying the afternoon in the sun <laughs> we can pretend <laughs> more like eating stir fry than sitting at my computer <laughs> <laughs> well i guess that counts we'll let you have that at our at our little afternoon picnic yeah, this has really worked out well, and I just appreciate so many of you stopping by and sharing your experiences and 
Oh, Kaylee says she wasn't there, but she learned from Hillary before. Well, it still works. It's still uh, a good comment and, and great source. And like I said, if, if Hillary is telling you, you know it's the truth. But I just do appreciate everybody stopping by this afternoon and this really wonderful discussion that we've had. It has been so delightful to hear from so many of you and different topics. And Amy, I'm expecting an email <laughs> about that book. I may not be able to sleep tonight unless I find out about that book. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> but, yeah, that was uh, cool. I couldn't believe UNICEF had the rights for it. That's uh, random and cool. It is. <laughs> it's. I've never, never uh, heard of that. But anyway, I, I uh, am going to uh, start packing up my picnic basket and blanket. But you're all welcome to hang around on Clubhouse, and there are plenty of other rooms. I don't know what's happening at the moment, but Clubhouse has been such a joy to be a part of, and and so many good conversations happening all the time. But I, I do want to thank you all because it is time to get the show back on the road. So I'm going to conclude Pit Stop at the moment. The recording is going to be available on Clubhouse later today, and I'll post it on Narrator's Roadmap pretty soon. But I do hope you'll take another road trip with me in two weeks on April 12th. Gosh, we're, we're already entering April. But uh, that day, we're going to talk to... Allison Larkin, who, in addition to being a fantastic award-winning narrator, is also a playwright. So I feel sure that her story is going to inspire you to new things. And in the meantime, I hope you find joy in every journey and are living the life of your dreams. Thanks so much for stopping by this afternoon and having this really delightful conversation today. And I just appreciate it all. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon and a wonderful week. And we'll see you soon here on Pit Stop.